Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yesterday, you arrived after the Queen. I got lost. Oh, how could you get lost? You've lived over the hill for years. It looks different now. Everything looks different. You sure you went late yesterday because you were delayed by someone? Do you think I got delayed by someone? Oh, come on, come on. They are circling us. Didn't you know? Don't you read? It seems they're circling just me. Not you. Just me. The thing is, Diana, there has to be two of you. You know, there's, there's two of me, there's two of father, two of everyone. There's the real one and the one they take pictures of. You have to be able to make your body do things you hate. That you hate? Yes. For the good of the country. For the country? Yes, the people. Because they don't want us to be people. I'm sorry, I thought you... film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Syndicates. I'm your host, Armand Haddad. Today we are taking a look at Spencer by director Pablo Loren. But before we spend the holidays at the Queen's Estates, I am joined by a returning guest, Cam Lewis. Cam, welcome back to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, it's it's been a while. And you're back. We watched uh, Spencer uh, that just came out. And yeah, so before we jump into the film, let's first talk about what this film is all about. Diana, Princess of Wales. So Cam, tell me, how did you first encounter the fair lady, Diana? Uh, to be honest, yeah, this is the the royal family is something that's not been a part of my life very much throughout. So it's nothing that my parents or siblings were ever really into. Mm-hmm. So when I first encountered her, it was just in the context of her tragic death. Um, because leading up to that, there was just nothing particularly of note that seemed relevant to my life. And so even since then, that's largely been the main thing is I just know that she died tragically without much. So it's really interesting mm-hmm. in that sense, going into this movie without a lot of that maybe more cultural context that a lot of other people have. Right. Yeah. For me going into this movie, similar boat. Um, Cause she died uh, 1997, I believe. So I was six. Like how old were you? Also six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, we're a little bit too young, but also we were kind of aware of it. When exactly. It and then <clears throat> what I mostly know for death, which happened the years subsequent after that, like early 2000s, was the conspiracies surrounding mm. her death and how it was 
kind of suspicious, a little strange. And also maybe the royal family had some ulterior motives. And so that's what really piqued my interest with Princess Diana, unfortunately. And yeah, like, did you ever fall into those theories of her death? I actually had not. Yeah. So again, I just really did not ever find a way to to latch on to my experience. So I did uncover some of those looking into some some research about this movie in particular. And so it was interesting to hear, but I think it makes sense. I mean, another cultural phenomenon recently is the Meghan Merkel whole situation with like them leaving. And I saw some people drawing parallels there. And so I, I think right now we definitely have a sense that the monolithic royal family will do whatever it needs to do to protect what it is and what it's trying to do. So it totally makes sense to me that people have conspiracy theories. And, you know, as is often the case, those things don't usually come out of nowhere. There's sometimes a kernel of truth beneath all of the conspiracy (laughs) that gives people a reason to think (laughs) such things. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting that you bring up Meghan Merkel and uh, Prince Harry, because like, you're absolutely right. Like there is a parallel between Princess Diana and that couple because like they both, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves, they left the royal family because of, you know, various reasons. And they have mm-hmm. pretty good reasons of why to leave. I would leave. Like it's it's such a big responsibility and such a big weight and burden on your life to yeah. be, you know, that analyzed and like viewed under a microscope. 24 7 which this film does explore Mm -hmm. in a very beautiful way so so that brings us to spencer the movie that we've been dancing around with (laughs) so we watched spencer and going into this i knew nothing i knew nothing of this film i just knew uh, kristen stewart was playing princess diana Mm -hmm. and that's all i knew did you watch the trailer I didn't watch the trailer. Okay, nice, nice. So I knew nothing either, but did watch the trailer. So that's interesting. Um, but yeah, similarly, I, I, uh, if I hadn't watched the trailer, I don't even think I would have known it was about Princess Diana. So, really? Yeah. What did you? So, so I pitched this movie to you. I was like, "Hey, you want to come back?" And you're like, "Sure." What movie did you want to do? And I was like, "Spencer." And you're like, "Okay." <laughs> what did you think it was about before realizing it was about Princess Diana? Um. I honestly had no idea. I mean, that's the problem with movies that just have a name as their title is it's hard to know what they're about just from that. And so that's why I did need to watch the trailer because I had zero context about what it was going to be just from the title. So uh, obviously, you know, seconds into the trailer, you see the royal estate that they're staying at and things like that. So you get the, the context pretty quickly as far as that goes. But I think it seemed clear that it was some obviously like some sort of a biopic or a you know portrait of a person given the name but yeah and i mean i trust your taste in movies so i wasn't concerned by any means of going into something somewhat blind <laughs> at your recommendation oh my god um, i am honored you know going into this i because all i knew of princess diana was her suspicious death mm-hmm. uh, tragic death and going into it i was expecting to see that or have that oh explored. yeah and then quickly I realized, oh, this has nothing to do with her death. Yeah. That, that is truly the low-hanging fruit. Let's make a movie about like her final days. And like the synopsis was like her final days in the royal family. In the royal family. So I was oh, like, wow. Explain, yeah, right. Explain her death. But it subverted my expectations because it was actually this whole movie is about her leaving the royal family. Yes, yes. Choosing to separate from... Uh, Prince Charles. That was another thing that, again, given my lack of awareness of any of that, I didn't know that she even had like divorced him and that that was a thing. So I didn't realize that that's what this was kind of building towards. Did Was that something you were aware of, given that you looked into it a little bit after the fact of her death? So other than her death, because of the show The Crown mm. on Netflix, um, I was a little bit more privy to her personal life with Prince Charles because Prince Charles famously cheated on her with Mm -hmm. Camilla. Yeah. Yeah. And that fueled her divorce rightfully. So, yeah. 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 So that's definitely, definitely really interesting. Just the difference in, I mean, how quickly did you start to see that that's where it was headed once you started watching the movie? Um, probably, 
when Prince Charles was kind of in the picture still. <laughs> I was like, okay. And like, it wasn't like too ominous either. Mm-hmm. It was like yeah. more of like her struggles. And I was yeah, like, definitely. Okay. This is, this yeah. is going to be not what I expected. Yeah. Not, I have I a couple thoughts off of that. One, I think it's just interesting. I mean, we could talk like a whole episode about how movies are marketed in order to mm-hmm. get people to show up and mm-hmm. how that's often ends up being different than what the movie is about just because people yeah. with marketing brains said no one's going to show up if we actually tell them exactly what this is about. <laughs> and so getting people to actually show <laughs> up by making it sound like maybe it's more ominous or about more tragic things. So that's, I think, interesting in and of itself. But uh, I, what you brought up about the, it's more of that like intimate personal exploration of Diana's experience as a woman and a mother mm-hmm. um, and a wife, soon to be ex-wife. And the director actually talked about that. So did you see Lorraine's uh, previous film, Jackie, about um, Jackie Kennedy? Unfortunately, no, but I am very intrigued. Yeah, after seeing this, I definitely want to go back and watch it because I haven't either. But he actually uh, said in an interview about Spencer that he doesn't think biopics can be made good because he just thinks like you can't explore someone's life biographically in an engaging, interesting way. And so for him, he doesn't even see this as a biopic, but more as that just like emotional exploration of a human life that happens to be at maybe a heightened, elevated situation due to their, you know, well-known nature and things like that. So it's interesting that you like felt that it sounds like he was successful in doing so because you immediately early in the film picked up on that. So that's cool to see when the director's intent just comes through pretty immediately they're like no this is an intimate portrait not necessarily a biographical sketch yes and i'm glad you're bringing that up because there has been an influx of biopics lately and i don't know if this is just me they just don't interest me because like it's how do you make a movie about someone's life and have it be completely boring it's yeah. like it, it fails in comparison to the actual person. Mm-hmm. Like the actual person is interesting. And then if you try to make a movie out of it, it's like, I don't know. It's just something's missing and it's like almost disingenuous. But that's just my opinion. No, I totally agree. And I think that that's what a lot of – that's what I find frustrating about a lot of biopics is that they recognize that they can't make it boring. And so then they change or rearrange events in order to like tighten up the narrative structure so that you have more of that traditional three act structure to drive Mm -hmm. through from the beginning to the end and keep the audience engaged, uh, which makes for like a good film. But when I know it's supposed to be real and then I read afterwards, like, oh, they changed all these things just to make it seem more exciting. It kind of deflates the whole thing and I think ruins my experience of it. Whereas this approach allows there to still be that intensity by just zooming way in on one moment uh, and then not having to necessarily take. Well, and I think obviously plenty of liberties were taken with how this was told um, because it's so zoomed in and you can't possibly have knowledge of everything that went on there. Uh, so that's interesting in and of itself. But yeah, I agree that this is a much more interesting and human approach to the biopic. Yeah. Like I just love how he did it because like, you could have went the route of like have it be dramatized, realistic, but like he made it into this psychological thriller mm-hmm. that centers around Princess Diana. Yes, like how yeah. she felt before leaving the royal family. Definitely, and I thought that was such a smart move on his part and made such an interesting film because of it. Yeah. And honestly, so again, from my perspective of having no connection or really like, I don't care about the royal family and that doesn't matter to me at all. This movie still matters to me because of that real human connection. It's about her as a person, not her as a princess. And I think that that makes it much more approachable to more people. Whereas like, yeah, you can make something like The Crown that's going to attract the people who really, really like the royal family stuff. And that's a guaranteed audience. But I think that this approach creates a broader, more human picture um, right. of Diana than you would typically expect to get in this type of a film. Right. She's just, uh, she's just a girl with typical problems. Yeah. That- and that honestly gave me a lot more empathy. I mean, there was moments in the film where I was really frustrated, like, Oh, boo hoo, you're super rich. I don't feel bad for you. <laughs> but that really quickly was subverted by seeing like, Oh no, you like, you got cheated on that sucks. You're being treated poorly by this family there's just that relatable element of being stuck at a family vacation that you don't necessarily want to be at for three days. Um, so like all of those things create this, whether she was royalty or not, all of those things are 
humanly relatable situations that I think people have encountered or know people that have encountered similar situations. Absolutely. And Cam, before we go any further into the plots of Spencer, listeners of the show know what time it is. <laughs> it's time for some elevator pitches. Please stand clear of the closing door. So for those that don't know, if you're selling a movie to a friend, you really only have 60 seconds to do so. So Cam, we're going to simulate that today. I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock. You're going to summarize the entire film of Spencer in under a minute. Are you ready? All right. I'm ready to give it a go. Okay. So in three, two, one, go. So Spencer, I think, offers this sort of intimate but maybe unsettling look into the world of a woman that's trying to be her best mom or be the best mom that she can be, but she's in the midst of dealing with the recent uh, revelation that her husband's been cheating on her. All of this is coming to a head while she's cooped up at this large family gathering for the three-day Christmas holiday. But then as her world starts to fall apart throughout this, we start to see reality kind of ebb and flow. Uh, and we get some of this like psychological thriller aspect of, is what I'm seeing really real or is it just in her head? This maybe gives us some sense that there's some mental instability going on here. Uh, there starts to be this introduction of stories about beheaded princesses, this idea that her childhood home is boarded up just across the field and it takes on this haunting tone that uh, is beautifully evoked through a variety of different methods like the music, the cinematography all comes together to create this sense. And it ultimately builds this climactic question of whether she's going to be able to escape this prison or if she's going to succumb to darkness. Um, oh, and it's also it's Princess Diana of the British royal family. Yes, you did a great job. Oh, my God. So, yeah, you really, really hit it on the head. I really liked the psychological stuff with this film. Yeah. I thought it was amazing, and I didn't expect it going into it. And, yeah, like... Like you said earlier, with the liberties being taken, the creative liberties, I don't think her house was boarded up, you know, close to the Queen's estate and all these other things. Well, maybe, I'll, maybe I'm wrong. but like, That actually is true. So the writer said he like interviewed a bunch of people about this particular in 1991. They got together. I think it was 91. Yeah. Yeah, um, that this Christmas took place at. He interviewed people that worked at that Christmas. And he said some of the things that were true were stranger than he could have made up one of which was her old family home was actually within walking distance and boarded up. So like, yeah, that I also was like, that seems too convenient. That's just a plot <laughs> device, but apparently it's not. <laughs> Holy crap. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was like, it became a horror movie at that point. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very much. So I was like, I'm down for this. Yes. This and what do you remember what the title was at the very beginning of the film? It was something like a fable from, a right. true tragedy or something like that. Yeah. Yes, that's pretty much what it said. And, you know, like going into it, I was like, yes, her death. It truly is tragic. But the tragedy comes in her struggles with one, bulimia, and two, mm -hmm. just being in this group that is one, controlling her, and she feels like an outsider at the same time. Yeah. Like she doesn't feel like she's a part of this family. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's that sense of ostracization um, and that she's the one that can do wrong. But Prince Charles, who was like, he's already part of the family, so he can do no wrong. And so that sort of idea that she's being edged out. And I think, again, is even though that's kind of this elevated experience that most of us haven't experienced directly, that idea of like, you thought you were part of a group, and then you start to feel less and less a part of that group can be a very harrowing experience. And I think that this film did a good job of visualizing what that would feel like inside your brain, but as if, we, if some of it was starting to bleed out into reality. Yeah. And like, so like before I realized like things were, because like there's a few sequences in the film, one being, I think the first instance of it is the dinner scene where they're having like quote Christmas dinner. Like everyone's mm -hmm. around this long table and they're drinking soup and uh, Princess Diana has this beautiful pearl necklace around her neck. She takes it, breaks it, and like the pearls fall into the soup. And she starts eating the pearls in the soup. Yeah. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> is yeah. This for real? <laughs> yeah. And that was definitely the first moment where like for sure that happened. And I think what what the filmmakers chose to do to let us know that that wasn't real was I think the last shot of that scene before she's like running back down the hallway um, 
is of the there's like a five piece orchestra or something over in the corner playing the dinner music, but they're actually playing the really intense score of the scene at that moment. So it looks like they're playing it. I thought that was a really good, like break the fourth wall kind of moment where this non-diegetic music suddenly becomes diegetic as part of the scene, which really helped say, Oh no, this is, this is not real. This is a heightened reality type of situation there, which was interesting that they chose to give that away early on versus something like maybe St. Maud, which tries to hold that back as long as possible before it reveals that this is just in her head. Oh yeah. Like the filmmaker, I don't like, he's, I just wonder if he does this with like Jackie and like his other films, because like it's so masterfully done where it's like, you don't notice it until the very end of that sequence. Mm-hmm. It's like, exactly. Oh, okay. Like you really pulled the rug uh, beneath my feet. <laughs> and that perfectly sums up like her mental state during this time, mm-hmm. because like, it's Christmas, it's a family gathering. It's supposed to be like jolly and fun and a good time. And it's just like a living hell for her. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think it's an interesting choice of the necklace as well, because once you see the parallel that she starts drawing between herself and Anne Boylan, who was the princess that was beheaded in in the past, uh, the necklace starts to feel even more constricting. Like that's (gasps) the thing that's going to like squeeze and chop her head off, just like um, the previous princess Anne. And so it's a really... They, I, don't, I don't know, again, how real that particular element is either, because, again, the movie plays with which of these elements are real, which are not. Mm-hmm. Um, so was there a pearl necklace that Prince Charles had bought her and also his mistress? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> wherever that came from, the way that the filmmakers chose to use it was masterfully done because it just holds so much subtext in that mm-hmm. necklace and kind of plays throughout a significant portion of the film. I just wonder, side note, I just wonder how... Uh, Prince Charles feels about this film. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's like the whole world knows you're a douchebag. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> They're making like films and TV shows surrounding uh, your actions. It's just, I don't know. I could see it as being surreal and also maybe a wake up call. Maybe he just doesn't know. Maybe he's just ignorant to everything. Yeah, maybe he just chooses not to to engage with any of that. But can you imagine being Prince Charles now and watching that pool table scene? Yes. That would just be like, oh no, oh no. Yeah, that, that'd be harrowing, I think. <clears throat> that you- was, I think, a really a really intense scene that inter- like didn't play out the way I expected, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that scene because that was one of the maybe like biggest conflicts between two characters yeah. dialogue-wise that happened in the film. You know, when I was watching that, so I watched this at the International Film Festival in Chicago. Nice. Three weeks ago, actually. Awesome. And that scene, out of all the scenes, I was like, this is going to win uh, Kristen Stewart the Oscar if mm-hmm. she's nominated. She should be nominated. Mm-hmm. She, mm-hmm. You know, I don't want her to be snubbed. Like, she has to be nominated. But, like, that scene alone, her acting chops were yeah. on full force. Like, yeah. With every single little detail of her performance, like, the way she was, like... Uh, twilling her fingers on the pool table. Yes, yes. Just like, just like emoting, uh, being distraught and being like in this vulnerable state. It's like, it felt real. Yeah, you could feel the uh, turmoil beneath the surface that she was like barely holding at bay that was trying to get out. And that's where like that whole scene was building towards me wondering like, is she going to just like throw the eight ball at this guy and like kill him? And that's, it's just going to go off the rails after this point or something like that. And that tension I think came directly from her performance. So yeah, I totally agree that that was definitely her acting chops were on display there. Throughout this entire film, I was just completely taken away by Kristen Stewart. Like there's plenty of movies where, for example, Bohemian Rhapsody, not once did I think Rami Malek was Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. Like I was seeing Rami Malek play Freddie Mercury, sure, or like Batman. I didn't see George Clooney as Bruce Wayne. I saw George Clooney playing Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. But with this movie, Kristen Stewart transformed into Princess Diana. Yeah, I would I agree see with her, that. I didn't see her as um her. I saw Princess Diana on screen, like she was alive again. 
Yeah, and I think that the the consistency of their performance throughout was telling as far as that goes because I think I've definitely seen films, I can't think of a specific example, but where you can tell that there's like scenes where they like really got their impression of that person on point better and then other scenes where it kind of like fell off a little bit, but like she was so consistent with this performance all the way through uh that I think that really built up into feeling like just what you said that she actually embodied this character. Yeah, and like kudos to her because like it was more than an impression. Mm-hmm. It was like she became her. I don't like it's I'm just completely in awe of Yeah, that. and I think I, the art department deserves a lot of credit for that as well. I think they did a great job of transforming her with makeup and wardrobe into that character as well. So that just on top of the incredible acting just took it to the next level where there were definitely moments where I forgot that I was looking at Kristen Stewart, you know, it was just, yeah. So thoroughly applied. Yeah. And like this film is like low budget too. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only, I think I read 39 days of production or something like that. So Mm -hmm. relatively quick shooting schedule. Yeah. Very impressive. Very, very impressive. Like, that that is a hallmark of like a visionary like on the director's part and mm. like um, everyone involved like people gave it their all yeah you know yeah. i truly appreciate that because i could have been like you know vince vaughn where vince vaughn <laughs> plays vince vaughn in every single movie he yeah shows exactly. up like hey i'm vince vaughn Oh, I have to play a, a Polish guy. I'm Vince Vaughn. I'm Polish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I totally see what you mean. Yeah, but um, yeah. Let's get into because you mentioned it earlier, Anne Boleyn. So I didn't truly understand the Anne Boleyn um, connection until afterwards because, like, the film does a great job of like painting the picture, like um, Princess Diana, you know, paralleling uh, Anne Boleyn. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, it's Henry VIII's wife. Mm-hmm. I could yeah, they did a good job of not overwhelming the audience with exposition. And I think that element probably was the thing that they gave the most exposition about, but it was even still limited. So unless you were like hearing a few really specific lines, it'd be easy to miss some of that context and then have to go back later and look more into that for sure. Right. That thing being carried about the entire movie and then the climax of her visiting her old childhood home, the Spencer estates. And she's like, was that at that point where she was like running through the house and like, she's like hard cutting like in the Anne Boleyn makeup or was that still in the queen's estate? I think that happened earlier. Okay. Um, yeah. Before the sort of climactic moment where she actually is at the top of the stairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That part does intercut with her, like that whole dance sequence, I think. Right. Like right before she makes that decision. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like, I just feel so bad for her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this entire, I'm just like, she's just a girl. Mm-hmm. Shoes. And like, she can't like. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. seek help at all because like she is princess diana Mm -hmm. and like the the family is like not being supportive at all yeah she's like the entire family's like oh you have to do these things because you're the like you're held to a higher standard like for example it's like the littlest thing like she's just getting dressed in her room and then staple her curtain shut yeah (laughs) She's like, what's going on? And they're like, well, you know, there's 
paparazzi. You know, you can't be getting dressed in front of the window. It's like, who's, <laughs> you know, they have really strong lenses now. It's like, I don't think anyone is around. Like, it's just this paranoia with the Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think that point about her isolation, even with all these people here, they explore that a bit with like, she has almost this friend in her dresser whose name I'm blanking on right now. I think it's Maggie. Um, Maggie, that's right. Yeah. And so she thinks that that's an ally, someone she can confide in. And then it's revealed that Maggie shared some of what she had shared in confidence with the other staff. And so that undermines that. So now it's like even more isolating. Like we all knew she couldn't trust the royal family, but now it's, oh no, she also can't trust these other people that maybe were her chance to connect with humanity again and feel like she was a real person. And that leaves her with only her children. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. Yeah. That's uh, that's rough. Yeah, and like the scenes with her and her kids were like nice and tender. Mm -hmm. but, like you can't confide your issues with your children. Exactly. Yeah, that's a limited relationship as far as helping you with <laughs> right major concerns, have... mental health issues. Yeah, that <laughs> can only go so far. <laughs> you know, going into this, I didn't even know. I didn't know that she had an, uh, an eating disorder. Yeah, I didn't either. Like, like there's this great scene where I think it's after the whole soup and the pearl scene where mm -hmm. she purges the food that she ate. And then yep. later on in the evening, she goes into the fridge, this walk-in fridge that's huge, and it just starts maxing. Yeah. <laughs> I think the dessert, too. Yes. Yeah. Like, side note, none of the food was covered. <laughs> I don't know if that's just like 2021 me. Like you just put food in the fridge and it's just uncovered and it's like kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I don't know what the uh maybe the royal family's health department connections have developed in the last 20 years, but maybe things were different in 1991. <laughs> it's certainly possible. But like she is caught by the butler or one of the butlers. Yeah, Major Gregory, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's like what are you doing? It's, it's, it's late. And it's like, like she's just eating. Like, like you said, like being like closed off and isolated, like she's being controlled. And it's like, mm -hmm. like, why, what are you doing up now? Like you need to be in your room. Like, why, why are you eating? You had the eating time earlier. Yeah. Like you need to be sleeping now. And it's like, I just let her live her life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's a continual theme throughout the entire film is Again, a woman being controlled is a more universal idea than Princess Diana bumping up against the royal family itself. And so I think that they approach that in a really interesting way to make it approachable by a broader audience. Yeah. Um, off of that, I th I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on that character, Major Gregory, because he, he kind of like moved back where there's almost moments where you wonder, like, is he trying to help her, but he's just going about in a way that she doesn't find approachable or is he actually like just one another cog in the machine and there's two scenes in particular that i remember one being when they're sitting on the steps together and he shares that war story mm -hmm. and then at the end when we see him put the Anne Boleyn uh book back on the shelf mm -hmm. so just curious what your thoughts are on his character for me and you can uh, expound on this uh if you want i think i don't think he truly cared about her to be honest, um, I think at the end of the day, he was just kind of doing his job, kind of like just another cog in the machine, just like he's there to serve the royal family. He's there to ensure everything goes right, like just like everything runs smoothly, like uh, the definition of, I guess, uh, bureaucracy or just mm -hmm. just being so removed emotionally and just like doing his job and that can be misconstrued by his actions like i think didn't he give her the book of Anne Boleyn? who gave her the book uh that was so that was played with throughout the film was whether or not he did like plant it in her room to see and then whether that was a thing is like a helpful warning of like you got to get your act together or there will be consequences or if it was intended to be like a threat towards her and even at the end like him putting the book back isn't necessarily proof that he put it there but i guess it's a pretty strong evidence that he probably is the one that put it there i mean it's a possibility 
I mean, it's all subjective. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just the way he went about it. I mean, I'm just working it out in my head right now. Totally. Cause like, like I said, he was so removed emotionally. Like mm-hmm. if he truly cared about her, he would, maybe he would like bring her aside, be like, you can confide in me or like, or like, I don't know. Maybe that's like overstepping his boundaries, but maybe you're right. Maybe he did plant the book as like, Hey, you should uh, clean up your act or maybe get out or because like she ends up leaving because she saw herself going down similar road to Anne Boleyn. Yeah. Yeah. Ends up becoming beheaded. Behest to the king. Yeah. And so if he did plan it in a way, he helped her do what she ended up choosing to do, um, whether that was his intent or not, who knows. But yeah, I think for me, that scene on the steps was like his chance to confide. And like he almost did where he's saying, like, you got to come back and get dressed because it's like it's funny because he's like, it's like three hours till dinner. You got to come get dressed. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, it takes that long. Um, Right. But he shares this. For him, it's almost an intimate moment because he shares this story about being in, I think, Northern Ireland as a soldier and his comrade is telling him this story about just a funny story about a wild horse that they were trying to tame back home on the farm. And then the guy just gets shot before he gets a chance to finish the story and then dies in his arms, which is yeah. you know a heartbreaking story for Major Gregory to be sharing and confiding. Mm-hmm. But for me, I feel like that's where it became clear that he... He maybe is more frustrated that she's so upset about this because he I think the line he says is something like we didn't. So or I asked myself, like, what do soldiers die for? And we don't die for a person. We die for the crown. And so in that moment, he's saying none of this is personal. You don't get to be personal like you're this entity, this idea, this symbol for the people to make whatever Britain's doing, be able to move forward and work as a a whole unit. So it's not about you. And that was the core conflict was that for Diana, it was very much about her own personal struggles in this situation. Mm -hmm. And for everyone else, it was, you have to put that aside. That doesn't matter. That's not what's going on here. And so I think he did end up falling on the side of that. But in a way that for me, that scene gave me more empathy for him because I could see like, you have reasons to be frustrated by this because your friend died for her to be just annoyed that she has to have this really ritzy Christmas vacation. And so I could see his perspective, even though I think he was totally missing her perspective. And so that was an interesting moment of empathy, even though I I think ultimately he does fall on the side of being more of a, um, unable to see the struggles that she's going through. Right. It's this interesting conflict between who you are as a person and who you are as a symbol for a nation. Yes. And that's what the royal family kind of is as an American looking at it. It's like they don't truly have power that mm-hmm. I know of. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> but they're more of like an institution. Like if uh, we, I guess the institution of the presidency, but the president has power here. Like, like. He leads. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because we don't really have a corollary. It's almost just like rich celebrities. Is it right. feels a little more like our experience of the Kardashians almost, yes. um, where it's not the same, but that's the closest thing it feels like we have in the U.S. to really understand. Yeah. That. Oh my God, Kim Kardashian broke up with Kanye West. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now it's dating Pete Davidson. What is it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> our American institution is in, in turmoil. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's how the British. Uh, looked at Princess Diana and and because like because of the tabloids, like people mm-hmm. knew of what was happening in their lives. Yeah. It's like you have this idealized vision of like who the royal family is. Like, oh, this these are like, you know, like if you go back in time, who were the royal people but anointed by God? Mm-hmm. Like they are not even they're above human. Yeah. Like they're they're this divine bloodline. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, called to lead our nation. And like now, because of our modern sensibilities, we don't look at the royal family anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, they're just they're rich people, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm sure people have written multiple volumes on how the, the perspective of the royal family has shifted and what their purpose is now within British society. Right. And that's something I definitely don't know much about, but I'm sure that there's 
people that still see some value, I mean, there must be because it still exists. But I think that's what Diana maybe saw herself as up against is trying to shift that, trying to make it less about this symbolism and more of that personal aspect. And like, why are we so separated from these people that work for us? And I think one of the things that she found most difficult is that like anytime she even tried to reach out to Maggie or something like that, like she got let go because of that connection she has. So she's almost seeing the consequences of her action hurt the people that are lower than her. And I think that also was difficult for her to see happening. Yeah. And I guess the tragic part of this whole story is, so she's going through these struggles because of her involvement in in this toxic family. And then she finally leaves at the end of the film. And like, she's, I think on the Thames, uh, in London or wherever. Mm-hmm. And she's just with her family. And it's like, Oh, like, this is so nice. Like she can essentially be normal. Now. Yeah. But knowing history, that's just like the beginning of her problems even more so. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it certainly complicates things when you then try to separate from the Royal family, which again, as we saw with, uh, Harry and Megan Merkel, yes. uh, and that, and that's where I think like the film, accepts that it's only this glimpse of this one moment and that like on a human level that was a major victory for her she got to that point that was this freeing moment um and then doesn't require itself as a film to look further than that but you're totally right that that's very much not the end of the story and it's almost just the beginning of another story right uh, that then leads and I, a little bit of research i did after watching the film um, indicates that, yeah, things got pretty complicated and like they separated, but took a while to actually get divorced. And then they were both still trying to see the children and things like that. And like, she was still living in one of the palaces. And so there's just like all this complicated stuff about how that's all still intertwined. Like feels a little like you just, you can't leave, you know, <laughs> you're stuck. Right. And then she's like dating all these other guys and mm-hmm. like family's getting pissed off at her. And yeah, like with, uh, Harry and Megan, Kudos to them because they did a clean break. Yeah. Like, and together. Yeah. Which seems yeah. different. Very different. Well, yeah. Yeah. She was on her own. Essentially a single mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a, what a quagmire. Yeah. That's a good word for it. <laughs> but yeah, like, so let's shift this to Megan and uh, Harry for a second, because like Harry is the son of Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. I just wonder, like, I don't know if this is tone deaf to say, but like, does he see the parallels in his life to his mom? Because like, it, it's not a coincidence, right? Like it, it's almost, you know, similar struggles mm-hmm. where like you're in this family and you don't belong at all. Yeah. You're like the, the odd one out. Like he's even ginger, like none of them are ginger. <laughs> It's a great point. It's a great point. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that he doesn't on some level see or feel those similarities. And, uh, and I wonder how much of that, like, know it, we talked a little earlier about how her children were kind of Diana's only people she felt like she could confide in. And I wonder how much some of those discussions she may have had with them maybe did go a little further than would have been typical to have with your child and how much maybe he did pick up on or intuit mm-hmm. even as a child of what was really going on with his mom and the struggles she was having yeah. that maybe have been formative for him and leading to this moment. Right. And also that his mom died in a car crash. Yeah. I mean, obviously that major trauma as a kid would just be devastating. Yeah. So it's like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. For his life. Oh, Harry. But like, I guess looking towards the future, they're going to be fine. <laughs> it does. It does seem like we live in a world in which they're, they're in a position that things will turn out okay for them. So it's yeah. funny because like there's this uh, animated show on, I believe it's on HBO max. That's called the Prince. And like, it's just, they're just grilling the royal family. Like, like the queen is like really uh, cantankerous and <laughs> they have uh, Harry and Meghan and like they're living in America and they're like, what do we do now? What is rent? <laughs> How do we get this uh, job? Well, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> 
that is interesting to think about all of the things they wouldn't have to even think about how to do or what they mean or how they exist because of the completely, <laughs> you know, isolated experience that they've had of the world eating their weird green soup that's brought to them <laughs> by servants. Exactly. Like there's a scene where they're like looking for an apartment in this animated show and uh, Prince Harry is like, ah, these are like mini palaces. <laughs> amazing. Uh, wow. Yeah. The perspective shift that that would yeah, require. That's amazing. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I think he's going to be fine because he's with uh, Meghan Merkel and Meghan was like an actress and like a normal person. Mm-hmm. Before yeah. This. yeah. Hopefully the assimilation process works the other direction and she brings him a little bit more towards reality. Yeah, it's like, you know, not everyone has butlers. Yeah. Not everyone <laughs> drives a Rolls Royce. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about the stairway scene because that's mm-hmm. like the pivotal moment of the entire movie. And we kind of like danced around it. Yeah. So, like, the stairway scene, like, it was a climactic moment because, like, everything led up to that moment, like, since the beginning of the movie where you have Princess Diana driving her red sports car and she stumbles upon, you know, her old family lot where this is, there's a scarecrow and it has her father's jacket on it. Mm-hmm. And she takes the jacket because like, that's a symbol of her past that yeah. she's holding on to. And there's these little moments throughout the entire movie where she wants to go back to the way things were before the Royal family, like, essentially destroyed her life Mm -hmm. and it it leads up into she goes back to the family home where it's all boarded up decrepit looks like a haunted house and she goes to the top of the stairs and she visualizes herself throwing herself off Mm -hmm. committing suicide ending the pain uh but she doesn't choose that she chooses to live which is more courageous and I just thought that was just such a cathartic moment for the character and for the story of Princess Diana because like like you said, there's this pain bubbling beneath the surface and like what can she do about it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so interesting that that is the kind of climax of the film because it's the moment it's a relatively slow burn. I mean, the whole film, it doesn't have that like driving traditional Hollywood three act structure necessarily. So it is all very brooding, unsettling kind of throughout. And so that being the climax where she is by herself, aside from the ghost of Anne uh, Boylan, but the, that I think really centers again, our understanding of the story on her struggle and her, uh, like she, that's the moment where she decides I can leave. I could leave Charles. I can try to get away from this. I can take my kids and go. Uh, because after that scene is when she then starts taking those actions. She goes, gets the kids from the shooting, uh, the duck hunt or the pheasant hunt and everything. Uh, she goes back. She throws the the whole weight way out thing uh, is like, don't care about that tradition. And then she gets in the car and drives off and has KFC, you know? So <laughs> yes. uh, I think that that's like the key turning point for her character. Uh, it's really interesting that they connect that moment. They sort of like draw it out with that, I think it's like three minutes of her dancing mm-hmm. back in the palace and all the different dresses. What's yeah. your take on that choice to include all of that dancing in there? I think this is how I interpret that scene. It's kind of like letting go. And like, that's like her final expression because like throughout the entire movie, not only do they control what she does and how she it's it's also how she looks mm-hmm. like, because like in her room, she has this giant wardrobe rolled in ro- wardrobe mm-hmm. and she has a dress in an outfit for every single yeah. event. This is what you're wearing in the morning. This is what you're wearing for dinner. This is what you're wearing for the photo shoot. And like, it's perfectly picked out. And like earlier in the movie, uh, there's like this photo shoot and she wears quote the wrong dress mm-hmm. it's not on purpose because she was like i'm not wearing that i'm wearing right. this <laughs> and like the workers were like flustered like well, well you have to wear this dress like it, it's been picked out and she's like no screw that <laughs> i'm wearing this and um there's this part with the queen around that time 
where she was like, ah, you know, I didn't wear the dress I was supposed to wear either. And it's kind of <laughs> like, she knows, she knows too. Like, mm-hmm. even though it's such a quick interaction with her, because like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, who, what's her place to talk to the queen? You know, yeah. even though it's royal family, it's like, there's still like a higher still this level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she, she knows that it's like, oh, it's all pageantries. And like mm-hmm. with her having that cathartic moment and having her, you know, showing scenes, expressing that moment of her dancing with all these dresses on. I think it means like it's her just letting go. And it's like, mm-hmm. let me just wear all the dresses I'm supposed to wear. And it's just like, I don't know, liberation almost. It's like she's wearing them on her terms. It's yeah. Other people. Yeah. Yeah, the whole sequence kind of, you know, maybe it could be summed up by the tropey saying dance like no one's watching because that's literally what she's doing is like in this imaginative space. She's got all these different dresses on. She's dancing all these crazy different dances uh, in a way that would be completely unacceptable if other people were around given her royal family status. So, yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, One thing that I read from the, the director, Lorraine, said that he specifically filmed that across the entire in the entirety of the production. And at the end of shooting days, he would play one song, put her in a dress and have her dance. Uh, And he said that the reason that he chose to do it that way, rather than like shooting that whole sequence together Mm -hmm. was to, he's found in his experience that uh, when actors are at the end of the day and they're tired, they can access a more vulnerable space sometimes emotionally and so i think that that played right into exactly what you said of kind of finding that emotional freedom that that is expressed through that so yeah again really interesting to see a directorial decision play out and impact the audience as intended wow smart <laughs> yeah he's uh, clearly knows what he's doing <laughs> yeah like it's, it's not his first rodeo and wow yeah. i that's such a good move because like you definitely feel it because like, you know, when someone's like phoning it in or it's like mm-hmm. being disingenuous and like with her performance, start to finish. It's like, you feel that there's this, you know, she's tired. She's yes. Yes. It's like, like you, you feel that dread within her mm-hmm. and it's such a smart move to like knowing that he's going to assemble the film this way. Mm hmm. He then shoots those scenes, you know, throughout the production instead of like, okay, we need this now, you know, let's do it all in one day. And it's like, it's not, it's not going to be the same performance. Yeah. Yeah. And also thematically, I think it might also represent, um, so when in real life, when princess Diana found out that Charles was cheating on her with Camilla Mm -hmm. and like it got out in the press that he was being, you know, unfaithful there was a dress that Diana deemed too risque to wear. It was like this black cocktail dress and she chose to wear it Mm. after the press found out that Charles is being unfaithful. So it was like, quote her revenge dress. (laughs) It was like her, like both saying like F you to, uh, and also like I'm wearing this on my own terms and I'm like, okay type of thing kind of like liberation Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. so there's a lot there's a lot going on in that simple dance scene yeah and i think it's just again just a great way to visually unpack what's going on in a person's brain in a split second like as she's making that decision to jump or not jump that was a great visual way to show that thought process that she's like this is all happening inside her head and then builds up to her decision to not jump rather than just leaving her thinking on screen and just showing her face literally, but taking it to that more metaphorical internal level. Yeah. Yeah. So overall cam, did you enjoy the film? I did enjoy the film overall. Absolutely. (laughs) So what we like to do on syndicate is the one reason why, what is the one reason you would give somebody to watch Spencer? I think the one reason would be just because it'll change your perspective on uh, how to look at anybody in a Mm -hmm. position of fame and recognize that there's that personal level of story that's going on for every person. It's so easy for us to just assume things about people that are in positions of power or fame and things like that. But this 
really refocuses it to no matter what situation a person's in, they're a human and they have human struggles. And it really helps demystify um, or demythologize a lot of what can easily get built up around a person. So I think it's it's a very great film for building a sense of empathy towards other people, which I think we really need these days. Yeah, I 100% agree. And like, I'm going to go off of that for my one reason too, because like. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You build these personas around these, like, quote, famous people, celebrities, mm-hmm. and they, beca- they, they become bigger than the person themselves. And, like, when you actually see and peel back this like clout around them you see it's just a person like you and i yeah and they have similar problems like you and i and we're all human and with diana like she has her issues front and center in this movie Mm -hmm. and it makes you empathize and reevaluate like you know like even though it's annoying to have like these like quote big stars and celebrities and it's like oh like like we said earlier rich people problems yeah <laughs> it's like behind all that you have some serious problems and like yeah. relatable issues absolutely and it brings me to like the poster for this film and it's it's her in this like white dress that's like very overflowing and like she's like um you know kneeled over Mm-hmm. I thought she was crying. And then as the film progresses, it's like her in that dress in front of a toilet. Mm, her yeah. and, um, what she ate because of her bulimia. And it's like, wow, it's, it's such a powerful image because it's like you have everything and yet it's not enough to make you happy. Yeah. You know, like money cannot buy happiness fame cannot buy happiness yeah it doesn't solve those underlying issues of being human right in fact sometimes it creates them <laughs> so, right yeah like it, it more money more problems <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean if you want a very human uh look at this character definitely check out spencer absolutely but that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Spencer. Please check it out where it is available. And now I'm going to take a moment to thank my guest, Cam, for coming on to the show. Thanks. Yeah, it was great being here and just talking about this great film. So make sure you all go and watch it. Yeah. And Cam, you got to come back soon because there's plenty of other good movies to watch and talk about. Sounds good to me. Yeah, if you want to see more of his work, check out camlosfilm.com or check him out on Instagram at camlosfilm. So if you want to keep this conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate. That is C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E Syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Have Discord? Feel free to join the growing film community there at syndicate.com forward slash Discord, where you can find myself and other podcasters talking about this film and others. Or if you're too lazy, check out the show notes where you can find all the links to the socials there. But if you missed anything during this conversation, please send us a message at info at syndicate.com or visit the website syndicate.com. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. <laughs>